Listening Dog Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the hot mess mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our hot mess mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Pearl. And with us, we have the wonderful Sophie McCartney. She's a total breath of fresh air, I have to say. Um, she tells the truth with her funny parenting observations on YouTube. I mean, you've gone viral, haven't you? More than Pammy and Tommy. I know, more than COVID, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, more than that. I don't know which one's the biggest at the moment. And it resonates with so many of us mums. And here she is. We're an honest chat. All you do is honest. I know. I know sometimes, to my detriment, though, Sometimes I'm a little bit too honest. I'm an oversharer. Some of the things my husband will overhear me on my Instagram stories and he's like, what are you doing? He was like, why are you telling the world that? I'm like, well, it just happened. So I thought I'd tell everyone. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, a little bit too honest sometimes. We're delighted to be working with Cooker throughout this series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be telling you all about their brilliant boiling water taps and the fantastic addition they are to any family home. I say it like that because I love it. Not only do they save time, cooker taps are the most energy and water efficient appliance in the kitchen. A child safe double push and turn mechanism also helps to protect curious kids. And curious mothers are 89, by the way. <laughs> For more information, visit cooker.co.uk. Uh, cooker, spelled Q U double O K E R, of course. So just tell us when, when and why did your adventure begin? This whole roller coaster that we've seen you go through, you know, up till till now. Wow. So I had, um, so my daughter's now six. And after I had her, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd been dabbling. I used to work in PR and marketing. And after Jack, who's my eldest, he's nine now, I'd gone back part time. And then when I had her, I just couldn't afford it, to be honest. Like the t- childcare costs, having them both in nursery, I think I was going to take home about hundred quid a month or something for them both to be in full-time nursery. It just wasn't worth it to me. I'd, I would have rather at that stage of my life just spent a bit of time with them. And I was fortunate because my husband's job could afford, you know, we could afford to do that. And so that's what we did. But I got really bored. <laughs> I just got really like, I love them. I love them. I love them so much. But um, I think probably about four months in with just kind of being at home with both of them, because I used to work in a creative industry, my, my mind just, you know, I was always thinking of what can I do? And so I started with a written blog, which was the, t- the original Tired and Tested blog. And originally, 
I set it up because I had all these pipe dreams <laughs> of um, like trying and testing things out for tired parents. See when I did the a marketing genius, I was it was a crying shame to the industry when I left. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll try out these, you know, fun days out with the kids or we'll do fun craft activities. And then I very quickly realized I wasn't that kind of parent. <laughs> I kind of join the club. I, Neither of us two are like that either. No, You're okay. No, I discovered I was very much a CBeebies parent, and I was like, well, nobody wants to read a blog about that. And so I just started documenting the the kind of the, the mundane, I guess, which was me kind of you know all the, the scrapes that I got into with the, with the two of them, and never being able to leave the house no matter how hard I tried, and always lying to my friends to say I was on my way, and I was still sat in my pajamas rocking because I didn't know how to get out the house with the bed of them and then the, the written stuff kind of started to take off and one of my friends convinced me to do a video she's like you know if you want to break the internet Sophie like Kim Kardashian you've got to you know get on in there and do a video so and and, and that's what I did and um and I didn't know what I was going to do I felt a bit cringy just standing and doing a talking to the camera piece so I decided to do an all singing all dancing parenting parody instead if that wasn't cringe enough and so um and, and so I did a Ed Sheeran parenting parody which was the shape of you or the smell of poo as it then was which I think is going to follow me to my 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 absolute grave it's going to be on on my tombstone my bed sheet smell like poo and and that was it really and then I, I kind of did that and that one went huge it was the first video I'd ever done ever put out on the internet and it had about 25 million views and how did you sort of start to hear about it was it like people say have you seen how many views you got yeah, no, so I hadn't. So I put it on YouTube first because everyone said, well, you got to put it on YouTube. So I put it on YouTube and it, you know, it had a few views on YouTube, but it, I always find with YouTube, it doesn't have the capacity to kind of go that that viral distance that a lot of like, Facebook, so I put it on Facebook that it did. And um, and I'd literally, I dropped Jack off at preschool. I think it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. I'd whacked it up, hadn't even thought about it. And I'd come back and I thought, well, I'll just have a little look. And I think at that point it was maybe on about 10,000 views. And I was like, oh, that's quite good, isn't it? I was like, that's quite good. And then by the time I'd done tea, it was on you know, a couple hundred thousand. And my husband, he was away. And I was like, Steve, I was like, do you think this is quite good? But I had no point of reference for it. I'd never done it. And then, then it sort of crept, crept up and up and up. And then, you know, by the time I went to bed, I think it was on about a million. I was like, I think that's quite good. I think that's quite good views. And then the next day it was on about 10 million. So it just, yeah, it just snowballed. And everybody, yeah, my phone was blown up going, oh my gosh, I keep seeing you on my timeline. What are you doing? What are you I know. But honestly, I put it up thinking maybe like 50 of my mates might see it and and that'd be it. And then it turned out to be a whole thing, a whole thing. And it, it took me from about 400 Facebook followers to about 80,000 pretty much instantly. And that was that really. And then I had a platform to go on and do more and experiment and I developed it from there on in really. And you've been a voice to so many women though, and, and brought them so much comfort and support because there is, it's a really terrible thing, but I think particularly for first time mums, I see it all the time. There's this whole idea of perfection and how it should look and how we all should be. And it really is a load of bullshit. But at the time, you have no, no idea because you've not done it before. So this pressure that's heaped on you to be this perfect person and to like sitting with them all the time and to like going to bloody, you know, swimming pools and all this concert, you know, you feel this that you can't say, oh my God, I just need to be on my own or whatever. You broke through and did that. And I think what happened was just all these moms just went, oh my God, she's saying, singing, um, you know, sketching, everything we're feeling right now. This is amazing because this is real. And this is, it's not just me. 
you know, this is this is true. This is how we all feel. And you weren't frightened to do that. I mean, it's incredible, you know, because yeah. it's needed. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head about this feeling of of pressure and you do. And I think especially when you look on social media as well and as a, as a first time mom. And actually, I mean, even me now two in, I, I still feel I still feel inadequacies. I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing and that other people are so much better than me. But I think when you are f- fresh out of the hospital and, you know, you see all these people who seem to be coping so much better than than you are but actually you know you, you're seeing a snapshot of somebody's life you you're not seeing the you know the 99.9 percent rest of their day where actually yeah they, they've only got out of their pajamas just to do that picture that they've put on on Instagram and you know you don't you don't see all of that and it, it compounds in your head and I found um well, after I had Jack I was 28 when I had him and I didn't really know anybody else that had kids I was the first of all my friends I was the youngest in my NCT group I hadn't I hadn't really gelled with anybody all that much in my in the antenatal classes and so I kind of just felt really alone I guess after my husband went back to work and it was just me and him sat there I was a bit like well what do I what do I do now where you know where do I go I didn't particularly like the the groups that I went to all the baby sensory and things it just wasn't wasn't my bag I didn't I, I didn't drink tea and coffee so I felt no purpose in going to go and sit in the church hall and get a rubbish cup of coffee that I didn't like in a bourbon biscuit and I just yeah I just I, I remember looking out of the window and I remember a mum walking past with a pram and she just looked busy like she was going somewhere like she had stuff to do and she'd achieved that day and I was just sat there still in my maternity leggings like despite you know being about five months past actually being pregnant just going how do you like how do you do that why do I not have that all together why do I still feel like this and I think when I I set out to then kind of do what I was doing I I just wanted to show that actually do you know what there are quite a lot of us that that feel like that and that's actually okay and actually I think it's quite normal and even those and even that mum who I saw out in the road who I thought had everything together and had managed to get herself out and was probably off to go into all of her jobs and post the letters and all that stuff actually that might have just been her five minutes out the house where she was just trying not to scream and she'd just gone out and done that and I'd just seen her and assumed that she was perfect and I and I wasn't so yeah I, I wanted to show that I think you know we feel guilty as as parents about everything and you know that's probably my biggest lesson that I've learned as, as a mother that I will never not feel guilty I will always feel like I'm not doing enough you know that they will hold things against me until my dying day and I think we will all feel like that and I just I just try and bring a bit of humour to that and kind well of that's it because I think the thing that you you you've made us all realize but we kind of all knew that it's so very very important to have a sense of humor in all of the foray that is uh parenting all the way through all those stages it's the most important thing to hang on to and I think you sort of you know it was in our subconscious but you brought it out and we were like oh yeah we've got to laugh about this yeah exactly. certainly do with your parodies they're brilliant <laughs> do you know I've always used humor probably as you know a, a defensive mechanism that's just me I'm that awkward person at a funeral that you know doesn't know what to do with themselves and so they'll crack a really inappropriate funny and so you know, that that's always kind of been my default go-to when I feel 
overwhelmed or or out of my depth. That's just how I am. But I think being able to then bring that into into my parenting experience has helped massively because there are so many times when I look at a situation that's just happened. And in that moment, I'm either furious, like screaming like a banshee at my kids, or um, I'm upset and I feel horrendous amounts of guilt. And actually, if you then take yourself out of the situation and try and look at it objectively, which is what I was kind of try and do afterwards and go, do you know what? If that hadn't just happened to me, that would be funny. Like my daughter once when she was really little picked up dog poo in the park and threw it at me. And and it was one of the it was one of the worst parenting experiences of my whole life. Oh at that particular time. I mean more have followed subsequently. But at that at that time I was I was I was gagging in a park but the other part of me was like that's hilarious content do you know what I mean like it, yeah. it hadn't just happened to me somebody else watching that objectively quite funny you know once everybody had been disinfected it was fine you know and 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 that's just kind of how, how you have to roll with it you know little people are, are full of laughter and humor and and every day there's something that one of them will ask me or one of them that you know, that they'll do something. And I'm just like, you're brilliant and <laughs> infuriating, but, but brilliant. So, um, so yeah, humor for me is everything in parenting. And I think if I, if I'd lost my sense of humor, I would have completely lost myself. It's great for this generation as well, because I don't think our parents had had that so much where they could talk about it, where it was sort of jokes about and where people did talk about what it was really like, you know, as motherhood, because I think people felt a lot of expectation on them and it wasn't the dumb thing. to kind of tell people about how you felt. I was with one of my bosses the other day and she is probably approaching her 60s. Her two are at university and she is this amazing woman who's worked all the way through her career, done incredible things. And she was saying to me, I was just a shit mum because, you know, I was never there. Uh, I'd take calls in the middle of the night and I'd go and um, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, you're not a shit mum. You're an amazing role model. You know, where, where do you get? And it's like all these years later, she still feels that. And then I see somebody like you and I think, well, you're going to break that for people now. They're not going to get to that stage because they know that it's all okay to have all these different feelings and to be a different. We're not all the same. Some mums might want to stay at home all the time. Some mums definitely don't. But back in her time, when she was parenting them, there wasn't people like you around. There wasn't the social media. Yeah. People didn't feel they could talk about yeah. that. My grand says it to me. We'd never sit down and tell people we were having a bad day and we we didn't like our children. We didn't do things like that. Yeah. What is your podcast about? You know, she has a real issue with it. And I'm like... Well, yeah, you're telling me you loved us every day and didn't want to put us in a cupboard sometimes. Yeah. Come, no, on, come on, you know. Yeah. And you didn't have a Google, did you? You didn't have the internet. When they ask <laughs> yeah. you the millions of questions that you don't know the answer to, how did you like yeah. that? What did we do? What did you do? Yeah. Your life was miserable. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, do you uh, Siri? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Do you know, I have actually had messages from grandparents who have, have seen what I've done and gone, do you know what? I wish that we'd had things like this when... I was parenting and, it, and it's so true it just it wasn't the done thing and yeah I guess it is it's a generational thing now isn't it and we are much more open about talking about all aspects of parenting you know right from you know the highs through to the lows and I talk quite openly about miscarriage because it happened to me twice mm. and you know the n- nobody even you know a few mm. years ago people weren't talking about that make people feel better and you know and just to kind of help lighten that mental load and you know 
definitely talking about the taboo subjects and the harder parts of parenting and postnatal depression. It, it, it helps so much. And I'm an avid, avid believer that the more you talk about something, then, that, then the better that you'll feel. And that's, you know, something that I try to do as well. It's in the book as well, isn't it? So it's a number one bestseller with the Times, which is, is. just yeah. wonderful. Congratulations. Oh. The Wild Ride into Parenthood. And in that, there's everything, and including the parts about the miscarriage as well, which I thought was really brave to put that to paper and, and include that in there because I think you're showing a different side of you. Yes, you're amazingly funny and talented and witty, but also you're very real and you've had some really tough times as well. Well, I mean, the miscarriage bit for me, I see it very much as my journey it's part of my experience in becoming a parent and you know the the book was very much the wild ride into parenthood and kind of looking at you know it takes me right from you know the early noughties when I'm at university and I'm like oh my gosh I'm never gonna settle down and have kids my life is amazing three for one oh apple vks and a shot of (laughs) bottle living my absolute best life and you know I'm the youngest in my family I've never had any experience with little kids or babies and so the thought of it absolutely terrified me so it's it's looking at that part and and looking at the transition that has to come if you actually you know I know there's a lot of people who don't choose to become parents you know things just have a way of happening but some you know when you are are in that position of going well okay do I want this in my life do I want to take the jump off the cliff into the complete unknown because I don't know what it's going to be like on on the other side and that's really scary so yeah I wanted to document that and then the miscarriage for me as I just said it was it was a big part of the journey and I think because my first happened in between my first and my second when I've been pregnant with my eldest I'd have no problems I just got pregnant straight away was like oh this was easy, brilliant. And, um, and I'd had him and, you know, it was all fine. And then I then tried for my daughter and then it took ages as well. And, and that was also a shock to the system because I'd fallen pregnant quite easily with him. And then I was like, hang on a minute. What, what is this? What, why is this taking so long? And then there was the, you know, the whole rigmarole of that and, and, and the trying, trying, I think there's this, you know, this misconception, isn't it? That trying for a baby's fun. And I delve into, into that in the book. Not when you've been together forever, it isn't. Oh, and you've got a thermometer cool. in and you're going, I'm ready. Let's go. Ready. Let's go. Yeah. Oh. The cervical mucus is ready, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> was your, what like, was your <laughs> husband like? Cause mine, cause I'm very much like you. I fell pregnant with my daughter like that on my honeymoon, but with my son, I had to try for quite a while. I was with, yeah, I was with you that I was, char- it was the charting of the cervical mucus as well. Oh, I didn't do that. That's a new one. (laughs) It's quite doingy. It's quite elasticy, isn't it? It's like doing. It's awful. Never. And you're constantly looking in your knicker crutch thinking, is that it? Is that the bit? The Hot Mess Mums. Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. All through this series, we're working with Cooker to tell you all about their amazing products. Cooker Taps can transform any family home. Here's Kimberly to tell you all about them. Cooker Tap has changed my life in so many ways. It's made it so much easier for sterilising my baby's bottles and then just not having to wait for the kettle. When you're juggling a child on one side, you don't want me having to move in a kettle from A to B. You definitely need that coffee straight away. The taps changed the whole look of my kitchen. I went for a lot more of a contemporary style kitchen recently when I did install the tap and it's really nice having a clean work surface with no kettle. I also use the tap for sterilisation of my baby's bottles so I don't have to have any extra machines for that on the side as well. My favourite thing about the tap is not having to wait four minutes for my kettle. It definitely saves a lot of time for me and a lot of hassle. 
I personally believe a kettle's a lot more unsafe than a kooka because you're moving it so if a child was to grab it on the work surface they can pull it onto them rather than the kooka is on the sink it's on a fixed point on the surface and they can't just reach out and grab it it is also really difficult for them to turn it on I found it difficult myself for the first week before I got used to it so I know that it wouldn't be easy for my one-year-old to just activate for more information, visit cooker.co.uk, spelt Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. Our hot mess mums, telling it like it is, Kelly Pegg with Jenny Powell. It's unsexy sex, isn't it? I mean, yeah, when it when you are trying for purpose and you know you're ovulating and there's that certain amount of pressure and you've got a window. And that's the other thing, like there's so much about, especially conception that I had no idea about. You know, I went to an all girls church of England high school. They did not delve into a lot of detail. Yeah, it was, it was complete 90s. opposite. It was yeah. trying to let us make us not get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to know how your body works or anything. We're just giving you this so that you don't get pregnant. Here's a condom, here's a banana. Just stick it on. <laughs> That's all All of life's questions answered in one go. And so, oh, so, so I had no idea how difficult it was to get pregnant. I had no idea how many days that, you know, you could actually, you know, fall pregnant. <laughs> and, you know, we were doing it the wrong times of the month. And I was like, well, what a waste. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need you. Move on. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Oh, um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, 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 it can be a really difficult time in, in a relationship when that happens and it's stressful. And, you know, you're in a point but you don't want to have sex with them because you're all annoyed with them and it's difficult and you know like Ugh, you again but you're like oh but I need your sperm oh it's conflicting <laughs> and it's like can't it just be someone else for today just so I can get this sperm and be happy about it <laughs> yeah can't no, we just have David out. Beckham I bet if he did it once yeah. I'd be up the duff then come on well, it's not fair is it really it's not so yeah there's a definite misconception about how fun it is to conceive yeah Yeah, it changes though doesn't it and you know when you have kids anyway your relationship changes in every way and you have to work really hard I think to keep that spark alive I did something at the weekend for my husband that was quite romantic and someone said to me I think it's amazing that you still date and I said well we try because we've been together 14 years I know all these moves backwards you know there's no excitement anymore maybe go sideways go sideways Kelly you've done forwards and backwards you know you've got the left and the right and then I I feel awful saying that and he says to me you're always saying we've been together forever it's like literally I feel like we have you know but it's so important that you bung the kids off somewhere at some point yeah and even if it's just a meal and cocktails and you're walking around somewhere beautiful together talking about good times you've had it brings it to back doesn't it because most of the time you're talking about nappies nursery fees then school it's just an endless list you don't have time for each other you don't and I think you, you know you forget who you were before you had kids as well and I very much you know feel just like I'm a mom all the time I'm all, you know so much of my day revolves around them and if, if I'm not dealing with them directly I'm talking about them as part, as part of my job I'm just saying. you make money from it now so you've got to you've yeah, got exactly. to keep them <laughs> yeah what, what a great business yeah. um and yeah we do, we do we went for a date Steve and I went for a date the other night and oh, we haven't been out in ages and they've gone to my mum and dad's and we just went to a little local pizza restaurant and we just had a pizza and a few drinks and we came home and it was just nice it was just you know to yeah to just be a grown-up and not think about taking crayons out in your handbag you know it's just those life's little luxuries isn't it I mean we did spend a lot of it going what do you think the kids are doing do you think they're all right because that's it the minute that you actually get away from do you know what I used to do that we used to just sit at a restaurant all about now I'm just like 
get rid of them. I, I'm at a point, I think, in my life where I've turned 40, but in my head, I'm 25 and I'm having a midlife crisis. And literally, we go out and I do not mention them at all. I'm like, I don't want to pick them up. Can we make it an hour later? <laughs> Can we just... We call that progress. <laughs> Is it? Good. Oh, I'm so glad you say that because I think Chris thinks I'm awful, but I'm like, no. They get to a certain age as well, don't they, yeah. where you actually, you know... You know they're, they're okay more, then, don't you? Yeah, they're a lot yeah. more self-reliant, you know, and even if <laughs> your parents forgot about them, they'd still be able to find the snack cupboard and, yeah. you know, call for help and, and whatnot. So, yeah, they do get to that point. But it's when they're really little, isn't it? And I used to be, oh my gosh, I was awful. If they ever went to my mum's, my mum's only half an hour down the road. But if, if she went there, I'd be like, have you checked the smoke alarms? Have you, you know, when was the last time that you had your boiler serviced and all of this? <laughs> Okay, just doing you a favour so you can go out for the night, but that's fine. Yeah, I'll call British Gas in the morning. And what what have been your favourite things though about you know being a mum? Because it it seems that you know obviously you've, you've found a huge sense of of humour in everything, but also you know it has become a a big part of what you do now. You know, talking about it. But what deep down and honestly, what what's been the favourite bit for you? And the there's not so favourite bit. I think you know becoming a mum has changed me definitely. I was. I, I'm, I'm still on to some extent, but non-confrontational. Didn't probably didn't stand up for myself. I was a, I was a very, I was a yes woman. So in a, in the office, you know, people be like, oh, so if you can do this, and I was like, yes, okay. Like I was drowning in work, but I'd be like, okay, yes, okay, okay. And you know, I, I, I wasn't very confident in myself. And I think then since having the kids, it does something to you. It does something to your psyche, doesn't it? Where, you know, you are responsible for other human beings. And I think that creates a bit of a shift in your mentality and how you present yourself and the way that that you come across. And now I'm not saying I'm feisty, but especially if it's anything to do with the kids, if somebody were to say anything against my children or if if I didn't like the way that something was being done, maybe in, in like a school setting or whatnot, I would voice that opinion. And I wonder whether if I hadn't had kids, whether I'd still be a little bit more timid about that. So I think it's definitely changed you know, my outlook on the kind of person that I am now and also, you know, how I feel about other, other people. I didn't think that I was capable of of loving kids. That sounds ridiculous, but because I was so unsure about kids and, you know, and, and I'd never been around them, my biggest fear before I had them was I'm not going to know what to do with them. Am I going to love them? Because I've just, I, I didn't feel maternal didn't feel maternal towards other people's kids. I'd see, you know, people be like, oh, my ovaries when they'd see babies. And I was like, nah, I got nothing. Like it just didn't, didn't get me in the feels at all until I had my own kids. And then I understood what it was, you know, what it was all about. So when, so I'm definitely softer now. I cry at everything. I'm just like, there's, you know, I'll donate to Comet Relief and Children Need and all that, but I can't watch it. <laughs> I'll give them all my money. I don't watch it. I can't it. watch it. I can't watch it. That is definitely a mum thing. From when you fall pregnant, I think you start to become like that. I used to be a newsreader and literally I had Ava at 30, my first, and I just never went back to it. I said, I, I cannot do and cover the stories that I used to. I don't want to know. I don't think I watched the news for years. I don't really watch it now, but you know, I just, yeah, la la la. I'm going to be one of those mums and I'm quite happy to be one. Thanks very much. I don't, I don't want to see it. It keep, keeps me awake at night, you know. No, complete emotional turnaround for me, hundred percent. But um, but I think as well, it's it's shaped, you know, because I I guess I talk about you know the kids through what I do now. It's really shaped my career, I guess. And I don't want to sound like I'm profiteering off my children, but for me, when I I'd, I'd, I'd quit my job and in PR and marketing and didn't really know what to do with myself, and I then you know started talking about the kids, and it and it opened up avenues for me that I didn't 
know that would ever be possible for me you know just sidestepping the the, the kind of the videos that I would do I did some stand-up comedy and I was like if you'd said to me you'd be up on a on a stage making people laugh I would have just assumed it's because I had too many tequilas and I was trying to do a pole dance against somebody who didn't want to be pole danced against that was what you know I would never in a million years have thought that I would ever do that and I 100% give the credit to the kids because how much do you love it do you is that one of your I mean with the stand-up is that something you really want to pursue like really work on it is and I was um I'd really kind of got into my stride of doing it and when we went into lockdown and I haven't been on a stage since then and feel I might have the fear back I had to have hypnotherapy to do it though because I really wanted to do it but I was so scared and it was weird because it's very different to online comedy because you know what if, if you put something out there and people don't find it funny somebody might say this isn't funny and you're like whoops but you're in a live situation when you're standing there if nobody's laughing or if you're getting heckled and I was so like <gasps> about the thought of it it was just so so completely alien to what I ever thought I'd do and what I, I was actually doing and um, and then the minute I did it my first my first one after my sessions of hypnotherapy <laughs> My first one. I loved it. If you'd given me 20 more stages to then bounce across straight after, I would have been off doing it. it and I bet you went down a storm as well. It, yeah, it was it was brilliant. And it was probably a better reaction than what I actually thought that I'd, I'd get. And that was such a confidence boost. And then I went on and I did more and I was trying to do a gig a week. And then gigs are back on. They're full it's throttle. I know. For, yeah, it's. But I think you'd be great at one of our live events, actually. Be a pole and I'll, you know. <laughs> what are you doing, Jenny? It's like Britain's Got Talent. Oh, she's hosting it. I'll just glue it all together. I'll be the glue at the do. The glue at the do. There you go. So, you know, you're such an amazingly positive proactive awesome <laughs> specimen of other creature your affirmations what what you know because I'm a bit of a yogi I love all that so what's your uh, what's your affirmation I think I might have stolen this from a film with, with Kevin Costner but I think like build this and they will <laughs> can I have that as an affirmation you can. Oh, was it Kevin Costner was it was it Field of Dreams Field of Dreams oh, was it? I've only that... seen that once it was so long ago I can't remember was that when it's a basket a baseball guy <laughs> There's this whole thing, isn't it, about manifestation? And I don't know where I sit, but I, there's a big part of me that has gone, do you know what? I want to do X, Y, Z. And it's happened. And that's it, really, isn't it? And, you know, I've always wanted to write a book, always before I started doing what, you know, the, the videos and, and all the parodies and stuff. If you'd asked me what I wanted to do in life, it would be to write, it would be to be an author. That was the, the dream, be a published author. And, you know, certain steps that I've then taken in life now have led me actually to that dream and I've done that you know I've, I have grafted I have worked hard I think there's sometimes this um, misconception about people when they they see people especially who have started maybe on the internet that we just throw a few videos out and that we're just really lucky and I think sometimes luck is involved in it but I put so much effort into the content that I do and you know if I'm doing a video I'll it's scripted and I'll have spent a week writing the script and fine honing it and then filming it myself and editing it myself and editing it to a way that I think you know it, it will be perceived well and and it will share well and you know and so I have worked I've worked hard for what I have I've built it I've built it and then it's gone <laughs> it's come but you know you've got you've got to have a bit of self-belief in you as well and I think that's another thing that happens in in parenting and in motherhood especially is you know you, you feel well, what can I do now that I'm a mom am I just a mom I and I hear people say that oh I'm just a mom well you know you're not 
just a mom. You're, you're so much more than that, regardless of whether you choose to sit at home and, you know, be a stay at home mom or whether you choose to not sit at home, like we're sitting around with our feet up having a lovely time because it's dead easy. But you know what I mean? Like it's supposed to being out in an office, regardless of what you've chosen to do with motherhood, you will always be more than just themselves a disservice when they say that they put themselves down. Yeah. I think what happens as well for a lot of women, I've got a couple of friends actually like this, is that they have children and things happen and their circumstances change with their work and they end up leaving their career. I've got a friend who left her seven years ago because her son was very ill and um, they completely lose it and they don't know who they are anymore. And then once the kid starts to go to school, they're now trying to find, what do I want to do? You know, they've got this little space that's growing where they've got time to think about them. Where where do I want to go? With What do I want to go back and do? And I think that's incredibly difficult because I do think, you know, not to be sexist, but I, I say this all the time, I just don't think men's lives change the same. You know, I, I, my husband's a fantastic dad. I'm extremely lucky. But you know what? Nothing changed for him. His body doesn't change. His mental health didn't change. His career didn't change. He doesn't have that. I still have that. When I'm called to go and do something, I have to say, can I do that? Have I got someone to fetch the kids? Can you do it? Do I need to get your mum and dad? He doesn't do that because I'm here. You know, so I think for when you talk about women feeling like that, I think it's so common, actually, that because a lot of people change careers or change, it can change your life, but it takes away who it, you are. It, yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I mean, for, for me, I felt that very much. But actually, what I've now discovered is actually I've evolved. It's given me opportunity. I feel that like motherhood has given me an opportunity that I wouldn't have had before. And that's, you know, the fact that I quit my job and stayed at home with the kids, it gave me headspace to actually think about what can I do? What do I want to do? And I think, you know, I wasn't happy in my job before I had the kids and, but I was, you know, stuck in a rut and I was thinking, what else can I do? What else is there for me? And I would have been probably too scared or, you know, too used to a certain level of income, I guess, to just jack that in and try something different, you know, without having the kids, whereas actually having the kids gave me almost that that excuse, that pivotal moment to go, okay, well, I'm not doing that any longer. I'm going to be a mom, but I'm also going to think about what can I do for me as well. So, you know, I, I am a mom, but I do what I do because, you know, I enjoy it. And it's something that I get a lot of fun out of, and that's all I ever wanted. I wanted a job in life that I would enjoy that I could fit around the kids as well. You know, I'm there for every drop off and every pick up and mommy is there. And I'm very lucky in that sense, because I you know I've got friends who work nine to five Monday to Friday and, you know, the mum guilt that they feel about the kids having to be in wraparound care or, you know, never being there for the pickups and the drop offs. And so I have that, but then I also have a different element of guilt because I will go and I'll bring them back from school, but I still then have to work. So they always see me working. So my my element of guilt is that they probably think that even though mummy's picked them up from school, that she doesn't spend enough time with them. Do you know what? We're never, yeah, we always, we're just basically, we're always sort of got, we're under that umbrella of guilt, whether we like it or not. It's just, we've got to look up at that brolly sometimes, you know, and just think, do you know what? It's part and parcel and we mustn't overthink it and we mustn't, you know, we mustn't bring it on ourselves the way I've seen women do. And um, because you know what? At the end of the day, 95% of the time, the kids are fine. 
They are. And they're very manipulative as well. I mean, they play you massively. My my daughter's eight and she's a real bugger. And I've worked um, over the bank holiday and my I'm really lucky. You know, I can get up at four, leave the house at half four. I do a radio show six till nine, six till ten and I'm home. So she said to me the other day, why, why, why do you have to go? Why, why, why do you have to do this? Can, can you just not? And I said to her, listen, I said, some of your friends, their mums, nine to five every day. They don't drop them off at school. They don't pick them up. I said, they don't have the afternoons with them. They're not taking them to Splash World like we did yesterday. Oh my God. All I'm out the house for four hours. I said, and it, I like it and it makes me happy. So therefore. Kelly, set your stool out. Yeah, I'm not having it. But you know, <laughs> yeah, they're so manipulative. And because she's been used to me, now I am doing it. She's like, what is this? What What is going on? I think they learn from you. If they see you doing something you love, like you do, and smashing it, when they're old, they'll be like, my mom. Oh, it's the best thing. It's the best thing. The yeah. best thing to be around, honestly. It's just at the I time, think. isn't it? When they're laying the guilt yeah. on, when they're small, yeah. and then we... But also, it, 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 that all that that phase, it all yeah. changes. It always does. Overall, it's, I think the best thing you could do is be an amazing role model. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, you've got to be happy, haven't done. you? Yes. yes. Exactly. You've certainly no. done that. Yeah. That's all I want for my kids. I want them to, well, of course, I want them to be happy. And then when it comes to their careers in life, you know, I don't care if they go to uni. I don't, you know, as long as they are doing something that makes them happy, because that was such a big part for me. You know, we spend such a huge amount of our lives working, don't we? And sacrificing family and our kids, time with our kids. And if you, if you don't love what you do, you know, it's, it, that's a, a big part of your life to just hand over to, to unhappiness. And so I would, yeah, I, I would just love for them to find their own little niche and find something that just makes them happy. And as they get older, obviously, as long as they don't spread snot on your body. <laughs> she came in and just, um, if, I, if, I, if I'm not, so they've both got COVID at the moment. And um, if I have not got this in my system somewhere, I, I'm just going to be a medical marvel and examine my DNA. Because she came in and she was like, morning, mummy. And she crawled in next to me. And, I, you know, we've had chats about if we could just, you know, mummy's not saying she's not going to hug you, not going to love you. But if we could just try not put your body fluid on me. Don't breathe on me. Yeah, that would be, that would be great thanks and she just came in and she just had the biggest snotty nose and just wiped it across my chest oh. and I was like yep yeah, there we go thanks so much oh. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to your stories that are coming up shortly I really am I'm hooked now I really am well the wild ride into parenthood is out now time's number one bestseller amazing book number two is on the way and hopefully yeah, get your finger out, get those 30,000 words written. And hopefully we will be booking tickets to see you in venues across the UK, lady, on the stage, because I think you need to do it. Hopefully. Well, we've got very, I've got very kind of vague plans for potentially spring next year of getting out there and doing a bit of a, a one woman little tour around the UK. I know. Whenever time I say it, this makes me want to throw off on myself. It sounds horrendous. Buy tickets though, it'll be great, but I'll, I'll be vomiting in the wings before. Come on. Kelly Pegg, Jenny Powell, Hot Mess Mums. Thanks to Cooker for sponsoring this episode. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be telling you all about their brilliant boiling water taps and the fantastic addition they are to any family home. Not only do they save time, Cooker taps are the most energy and water efficient appliances in the kitchen. A child safe double push and turn mechanism also helps to protect curious kids. For more information, you can visit cooker.co.uk. That's spelled Q-U-O-O-K-E-R. 